0: So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast. This is episode 444 for the 18th of Shvat in a regular year. Procrastination. We've all been guilty of it at some point or another, haven't we? I mean, I remember back in the day when I was a student in in college pulling all-nighters pretty frequently, you know, to write papers that I didn't start until that night, Um, which is silly because, you know, um, if I would have just taken the time to begin the paper at the time that it was assigned instead of waiting to the last minute, then... I wouldn't have had to pull these crazy all-nighters that were really uncomfortable, really detrimental to my health. And while, you know, the results was usually pretty good, I remember, you know, it, it felt like getting by at the skin of my teeth a lot of times. Like I remember literally running to school like after finishing a paper after writing the last sentence of the paper and then like rushing to turn it in literally like after you know shutting the computer because it was due it like in the next hour or so uh and the whole time just regretting it and regretting it and, and saying you know i'm next time i'm going to start this paper the paper's on time i'm not going to wait to the last minute and lo and behold i did it again so this is you know we do this to ourselves and uh well we're very conscious of it when we kind of like step back when we kind of zoom out zoom out of the scene we can see that procrastination is not really the right way to go about things nevertheless we do it we, we do it all the time So why, why do we procrastinate in such a manner? So it's really weird. It's like our brain kind of plays this funny trick on us. You know, it's the whole idea of like the instant gratification kind of thing that we kind of get, tend to get lost in the moment. And it's hard for us sometimes without foresight, without meditation to think ahead. So what we're concerned about really is like our immediate pleasure, our immediate sensations. And sometimes this is going to be at the expense of the later um of, of the consequences of what's going to happen in the future. So, you know, let's say, you know, I got a, assigned a paper that I had that was due in two weeks. So day one, you know, I would say to myself, do I really feel like working on this paper? No, I don't. I'd rather read a book. I'd rather talk to my friends. I'd rather do a whole bunch of other things. So the pleasure of doing all those other activities outweighed the, the minor amount, the relatively minor amounts of pain that I would have I would have entailed through beginning the writing the paper doing the research for the paper same thing on day two you know day three same thing so it's like there's sort of like this constant calculation that we do inside of ourselves um pain pleasure pain pleasure and we always go veer towards the pleasure the problem with this is that as we see in the case of procrastination, that if we constantly just think about immediate pleasure uh, versus immediate pain, this can get us into a lot of trouble because in terms of the bigger pa- the bigger picture, this is constantly seeking immediate pleasure can actually end up leading to a much greater amount of pain than if we would have just dealt with that pain in the beginning, the small amount of pain in the beginning, you know? So the famous philosopher Aristotle actually kind of had a sense of this where he discussed this concept. I don't know if he came up with this term or just, you know, discussed it uh, called eudaimonia. What is eudaimonia? So eudaimonia is can be contrasted with happiness. Happiness, as described by Aristotle, was, you know, just a simple pleasure seeking, um, feeling good, you know, doing different activities that make you feel good. But again, like we mentioned, um, these feel good Behaviors might feel good in the moment, but they don't necessarily have the best consequences later on. Versus eudaimonia is a Greek word that kind of implies the state of happiness but it it's in a much more meaningful way it's in a way that kind of like crosses across lifetime That that uh that has implications for one's entire life it's sort of like you know there's it's not only just a sense of pleasure that a person's having but there's a sense of meaning to what they're doing there's a sense of you know good consequence to the actions that a person's engaged with And now Aristotle's recommendation with all of this is that, you know, that our goal in life is not to seek happiness so much as to seek eudaimonia and that this is like the ultimate state that a person wants to achieve. Um, And, you know, whether we use the term eudaimonia or another term or whatever, we kind of all have this sense that truly, if we take a step backwards, it's like, were those small moments of pleasure worth it in the long run if they're ultimately gonna lead to a greater pain? No right? So how do we break out of this vicious cycle? And what does this have to do with the Tanya? You may be asking, right? So we know that the Tanya, if you've been following along and listening to this podcast for a while, you know that a lot of the Tanya is really based around living a more conscious life, not just being slaves to our animal instincts, being slaves to our impulses, but actually living in a way that is what, you know, what is a Bainini? This book is called The Sefer Shil Bainini. A Bainini is sort of like the epitome of what a human being is capable of. Somebody who who has agency? Who recognizes their agency? Lives with, um, w- with a co- in a conscious way. Um, with forethought, doesn't just, you know, kind of just do the next thing that feels good to them, but they they kind of um, live a more proactive lifestyle. And this is really, if you think about it, the solution to this procrastination, the solution to this, to reaching a state of living in a way of a more eudaimonic type of lifestyle, as opposed to a happiness, pleasure-based lifestyle, is really taking the time to meditate and to contemplate and to be aware, to be conscious of your actions, to be conscious. of your life. Now, the Tanya is going to take this a lot deeper because we're going to bring in God into the picture. And we actually started talking about this yesterday. So we began this discussion yesterday. We began a new chapter, chapter 25 of Lukotiam Marm, where we started talking about this in terms of transgressions, in terms of how it is that, how to kind of use our minds and our meditation to help us not transgress anything in the Torah, not do anything against the will of God. And we did this by really following a logical progression whereby we came to understand that if a person does anything that's against the will of God, this actually is insane. (laughs) It's actually not logical that anybody would want to go against the will of God. Because even though, yes, sometimes transgressions can have a certain pleasure aspect to them, you know, like non-kosher food, I'm sure it tastes very good, you know, um, illicit sexual activity, you know, very pleasurable in the moment and all of that. But at the same time, the anything that that uh, that's a transgression anything that we do that's against the will of God uh, entails us being separate from him, separate from our source, which actually is the most painful thing for our souls. And it's so painful in fact, that we actually recognize this on a conscious level when we're faced uh, with like a life and death kind of situation where we're faced to contend with this. We're faced to like realize, you know, is it God or the world? Which one do you want? Where it makes, where it's made explicit to us, like bow down to an idol or die. And uh, renounce your Judaism or die. And we see time and time again throughout history that Jews of all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of levels, all kinds of observance were willing to give up their lives rather than to renounce their Judaism, to renounce their God. So this is because really deep down when push comes to stu- shove, we have this same part of ourselves that realizes that we don't want to be separate from God and that and what we need to do this is all again yesterday's episode is in order to prevent us ourselves from transgressing any of the any of God's um laws is by really tapping into this on a daily basis and not just be aware of it just in a life and death situation, but to try to really get in tune with this part of ourselves that doesn't want to get be separate from God. And that recognizes that any transgression, as small as the transgression might be, is um, separating us from God, just like idolatry does. So now today, we're going to take this same mentality, the same way of thinking, but we're going to apply it to the proactive mitzvahs the mitzvahs assay the the positive commandments so you know there's two aspects of serving god in judaism there's the aspect of uh refraining from doing negative behaviors refraining from doing things that god doesn't want us to do and then there's the positive aspect that there's many things that god wants us to do you know like uh lighting candles on, sh- on friday night putting on tefillin if you're a man um Eating kosher, actively eating kosher. You know, there's so many different mitzvahs that we have. Giving charity is an active mitzvah. Learning Torah prayer. These are active mitzvahs. These are proactive mitzvahs, uh, positive commandments. So how, this is the topic of today's Tanya, how is it that we can use the same meditation, the same idea of really thinking about the big picture, really thinking about our deepest sane self inside to use this to help us really be motivated to be more proactive in our keeping of the positive commandments, to be more enthusiastic and to do these positive commandments with more alacrity when sometimes we're feeling, Lethargic when our impulses bring us down, we have these, this urge to procrastinate when it comes to serving God. So it, as we'll see, it's it's the same thing. It's really about just thinking about the big picture. It's thinking about you know even though maybe in the moment it might feel good to be lazy to kind of relax instead of learn Torah instead of, um, give that money to staka instead of, you know, putting our full self into prayer at the end of the day, the pleasure that we get from relaxing in those moments, which is, you know, ultimately, uh, taking us away from that, you know, uh, con- uh perceived pain that we would have to take ourselves out of that laziness. It's like, you know, it's, is that comparable at all to the pain of death? Right. Like, it's like, we all know the image of like, if somebody had a gun to your head, you know, would you do whatever, you know, like, God forbid, we should never have that, that trial. But we all know when somebody has a gun to their head, they, they move a lot faster, they do a lot more things because the pain of death is a lot more painful. It's more painful than pretty much anything else, right? Like a person would be willing to, uh, you know, do a million push-ups if they had to, to to eat, uh, really painful, really disgusting food. Like, you know, they do all kinds of things they they would never do it in their regular life if a gun were put to their head. Because at the end of the day, any choice that you're making between pain or pleasure, when it comes to death, death is the ultimate pain that we want to avoid. So since this is the case, and when we can become aware of this, when we can become really conscious of the fact that as much as we don't like the feeling of death, we want to avoid death at all costs. At the same time, we know that as a Jew, the strength of our Jewish soul is so strong that we'd actually even be willing to withstand the pain of death rather than go against God, rather than be separate from God. This should motivate us. This should make us realize that how precious the mitzvahs that we have are and uh and really prevent us from being lazy really prevent us from procrastinating so to speak on any of the mitzvahs and motivate us to want to do things in a good way want you proactively keep the commandments because again when we weigh it out it's like the little bit of pain that we're avoiding through procrastination through avoiding putting our full self into that mitzvah is that at all comparable in any way shape or form to the pain of death that we'd be willing to withstand Um, rather than bow down to an idol. So it's like once we recognize this about ourselves, once we recognize our power, that we have within ourselves the power to withstand uh, the pain of death and to serve God So strongly, even when faced with this pain of death, then it's, it would be easy. It would be like so simple to then say, like, you know, it's, it's nothing to like, you know, I wake up early in the morning and spend that extra time, you know, in prayer. Like that, yeah, it's a little painful, but like, really, like, is it like I, I, I can do anything. I can, you know, I'd be willing to withstand the pain of death towards worship God. So I can't wake up a little bit earlier to pray properly to God. So yeah, so that's the basic idea of what we're going to be focusing on today. So enough with my introduction. Now let's get into the text and see how the altar Rabbi explains all of this. And as mentioned, we are still we are still in the middle of chapter 25 of Liquite Amar, So the Altarabba begins today saying that everything that we learned thus far in yesterday's uh, section about the idea of how to prevent the meditation a person can think about to prevent them from doing a transgression, a prohibition, All of this could apply to the precept of doing good, of the asetov, and you should do good, meaning to do the positive commandments. And and what this really means is to overcome like a lion uh, with... Uh, and strengthen themselves with the determination of their heart against our it's against our evil inclination that makes our body heavy and that pushes that makes that brings us into a state of of laziness uh where does this come from this comes from the element of earth that comes from the animal soul so if you remember we spoke about this in the very beginning of this hania about how uh there are different elements there are four basic elements that the um that the nature of the animal soul comf- comes from and uh which which are where these different negative traits come from so the trait of laziness comes from the elements of earth within the animal soul and this element of earth which manifests as a state of laziness uh, how does this manifest this manifests as making a person lazy from doing any kind of service of god that's going to entail any kind of effort and toil. For example, what's an example of this? Um, To be involved in uh, labor of Torah with um, concentration and with their mouth so that will never sp- stop speaking words of Torah. So if you've been following along this podcast together with me, you know that Torah is not, al- is not always easy. A lot of times when I'm preparing for these podcast episodes, it takes a lot of work. <laughs> it really does. You know, some are more difficult than others. Even the ones that are not that difficult, you know, it requires a certain amount of concentration and mental toil to do so. And this is really what God wanted. So um, so the ultra brings a-, a teaching from the Gemara in Avodah pa- uh, page 5b, where it says, that every person should, um, subjugate themselves to the words of Torah, like an ox to the yoke and the donkey to the load. So we're actually supposed to be working in Torah. We're not supposed to just, it's not supposed to be easy for us. God purposefully made Torah in such a way that we are supposed to work at it. And not only in terms of learning Torah, but this is true also in terms of tefillah, in terms of davening, that when we pray, we're supposed to be praying with our entire being, with all of our energy. So the ultra rabbit doesn't say this right here, but in fact, we know from other places that tefillah, prayer, is actually called a voda. It's called work. So it's really supposed to be and meant to be work. And so too, when it comes to uh, our money and when it comes to the service of God that involves our money, for example, giving Staka. So that also you know it's not always easy to give stuck and we're supposed to really give stuckcca beyond what's comfortable for us so basically there's God wants us to do things that are beyond our comfort zone and there's so many different other examples of this uh, that have to do with with the with struggling with our evil inclination because our evil inclination is going to come up with all kinds of different reasons why a person really needs to hold on to their money and not give so much to stuckcca they have to preserve their health you know and things like that and um, in fact, you know, we need to work against this. So now the ultra habit goes, goes on to say that to actually to conquer these impulses, to conquer these evil impulses is actually something that's very, very accessible to every person when they when we decide, when the person really determines in their heart that this is what they want to do. And actually, will come to realize that straining themselves in this way, you know, to, to really toil in Torah study and prayer and giving stucco, whatever it is like to, to the fight against the Yetzirah is actually a much lighter fight than the fight against. And the suffering involved in this fight is much less than the suffering of death, God forbid, as we said in the introduction. Right. But yet we see that they would be willing to give up their lives Um in order not to be separate from God in a, in a true way, in order to like bow down to idols, you know, God forbid. So, right. So, so again, so to explain this, so, you know, does it take work to learn Torah? Does it take work to daven with our full heart? Um, you know does it take work to give away some of our money to sucka even if we don't want to yes is it painful is it you know d- does it involve some suffering maybe you know it's like it this is it's toil it's hurt it's hard work uh but when you think about it it's like you know That hard work, that toil, that suffering that we will need to endure in order to do these things, it's so minute if you compare it to the suffering of death, but yet we would be willing, every single Jew would be willing to give up their lives rather than to truly be separate from God in terms of idolatry. So when we realize this, then we realize that, oh, the suffering that I need to endure in order to just put my little extra effort into serving God, that's nothing. That is absolutely nothing. And I'm totally capable of this. And not only am I capable of this, a person can come will come to accept this suffering, quote unquote, accept this toil with love and willingly in order to cleave to God eternally, because they, they you know ultimately they, they it's like we're coming to realize our true, true, true will, our true desire, which is to cleave to God and to be one with God. And then it's like once we realize how much we'd be willing to give up, that we'd be willing to give up our lives rather than sacrifice this oneness with God, here we have the opportunity to connect with God in our life lifetime and it doesn't even require that much work so of course we're going to want to do it and we're going to want to do it willingly and with great love because we recognize the fact that through doing this through arousing our love and our will to do God's will this is going to arouse God's supernal love and God's supernal love will become revealed in an unobscured and inner kind of way Uh, and when God's will is revealed in such a way that is without any obscurity, without any, um, without being hidden at all. Then what gets revealed is the uh, is the unified nature of this God and the unified nature and the realization, the recognition that nothing has an independent existence of its own. So thus, then our then our soul, then the person's godly soul is engaged in this uh, in this meditation and in this behavior will recognizes that it becomes totally unified with God. Not, not only his godly soul, but actually his animal soul as well and all of their garments become united with the supreme will, which ultimately means with God himself, because God and his will are one and the same. And then in conclusion, the thing to recognize and realize about this unification that happens, this union, is that this union above is eternal. Because God is above time, right? And so thus, because God is above time and because this supernal will is above time and is eternal, so too when we reveal this will uh, and in our speech, which is Torah, because God does, because what is Torah? God, Torah is God's wisdom. And as we spoke about before, when we speak words of Torah, when we learn Torah, we're connecting to God's will and wisdom in this way. We're connecting in an eternal way. So we're connecting in a way that is above time. As it says in Yeshayahu in chapter 40, verse 8, that the word of God shall stand forever. And similarly, we say in our, in our prayers, we say, Udvarav k- k- that his words live and endure eternally, and then another place in in uh, in prayers that we say. This is from the Yigdal prayer. He will never alter or exchange his law, uh, etc. So basically, this is to make us realize that recognize that you know just as God is eternal and God is above time. Uh, and not bound to time so when we do what do god's will and we tap into god's torah this gives us uh and the ability to really tap into this eternality this this uh this transcendent nature of life and of of reality so that's the end of the section for today. And so just you know, in conclusion, really it, bringing it all together is again, this, this recognition of when we live a more mindful life, when we really re- recognize who we are in our essence, then what can feel painful at first glance, what can feel like too much suffering or what can feel like Oh, it's too difficult. You know, I just I'm not in the mood today to pray with my full effort to learn properly. Or you know, the person's asking for tsukka. I don't know. I don't really feel like giving them tsukka. Like that little like ah uh, feeling of like that sigh. You know that that's difficult for us. It's like when we when we compare that to the pain of death, it becomes so silly in comparison to that. And when we recognize that uh, our nature and the fact that we have this ability to overcome death, even. In order to serve God, then it will become so much, it will become like nothing, like laughable to be able to overcome other impulses that we have, to not put our fullness into our service of God in our everyday life. So that's the end of the section for today, and we'll continue along these lines tomorrow. So stay tuned for that, and I'll, I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast, hosted by Sareed Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzchak Ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory.